Hey y'all and welcome to Renovation Roundup. This is Jess Height. I am the communications coordinator from McCoy Millwork and I am joined by the super fantastical, um, just straight up awesome radical dude. That's a lot of big words. Thank you. Thank <laughs> I just you kind for of that. started going yeah. off the rails. Um, Gary Paquin. Yay. Um, how's it going, Gary? Pretty good. It's Monday. We're doing this on a Monday. I know. Am Some I supposed t- to say that? Should I not have said that? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know. I was, I, I think it's fine. Okay. I don't think we have any rules. Clearly, no, there are no um, rules. <laughs> rules are for those are for professionals. Yeah, we're not. I mean, we're you know we're always kind of walking that uh, thin line, right? Um, but uh, yeah, no, we are, and it's a little gloomy out today, which. I we kind of I I don't mean to sound like a selfish brat, but <laughs> there were like a string of like really hot springish we, days. Well, we had an amazing weekend. Oh my god, it was gorgeous. Yeah, but I was kind of like, I really want a overcast, classic Portland spring day mm. where I could just like, you know, get right. cozy under a blanket and read a book, and while it kind of drizzles outside or yeah. whatever. So, but, and that today is like that. It's not drizzling though. It's supposed to drizzle tomorrow though. Less pressure to do yard work. Exactly. Maybe that was it. I was. That's what you needed. <laughs> yeah, an excuse to it, lay around. Yeah. An excuse yeah. to lay around. So, um, anyway, well, speaking of laying around, um, over the last year, there were an incredible amount of layoffs, um, mm-hmm. and just sort of uncertainty for a lot of businesses and their employees. We fortunately, um, the construction industry was deemed an essential business. Yep. And we, so things got busy. Things got busy. But Still from are. early on, there was never really any disruption to our to not, our business. Not at all. Not like in the recession of 2008. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, hey, for once, we're not the ones getting, you know, the yeah. short end of the stick. Um so, but I mean, it does kind of bring its own new set of challenges with employees just because of a pandemic and there's these uh, societal rules and health rules yeah. and regulations and mm-hmm. just kind of the the way um, you see your employees as part of your business kind of, it, I think it, it really was illuminating for yeah. a lot of people. See there, I go with illuminating. Illuminating, yeah. It's carrying over. I got, I got to come up with some more words. Um, Oh, you, you you do every (laughs) week. It's all good. So, um, and that's the thing, because it is an extraordinary responsibility for any business um, to maintain and manage employees. Yeah. To ensure, um, you know, they have all the resources that they need to grow and to develop and to be an important part of um, the business and its model and success. Right. Yeah. And everybody I'm sure does it slightly differently, but yeah, the uh, philosophies are different for sure. Um, So, but looking back at most of our interviews with um, contractors, I mean, obviously talking to the guys from a tree was a little different (laughs) because, but um most of them don't really have employees. Most of them are, yeah, just sole proprietors and they just work 
by themselves. And then if they need help, they buy, they hire subs. Yeah. Hire subs or maybe they have that buddy that just needs a little under the table income mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, you know, not calling anybody out or anything. Um, <laughs> I used, I was one of those. You were one of the buddies many years ago. Oh, you're yeah. such a buddy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so today we're actually, this is the first time we're going to talk to, um, we're going to talk to Soren Clark, the president and owner of Clark built in the, operations manager for Clark built, um, Alex Briggs. And so we're going to get a little bit of a different perspective, um, on things because they actually are, um, more like a mid-level remodeling yeah. company. They have crews. They have, they have, yeah, they maintain yeah. A, a base of employees and they're going to go more into that. But I think, I think that's going to give us, just kind of a nice little shift in perspective because yeah, it really, I mean, it is one thing to manage your own self, your own business, find your own jobs um, and be responsible for yourself. But it really takes it to a whole new level when you're actually responsible <laughs> for other people yeah, and their livelihood. And it, and it creates a whole new set of pressures. And, oh um, God, I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm just glad I just have to show up, you know? Yeah, right. Same here. <laughs> I was a manager before, and that was kind of the one thing in, in restaurants, uh, restaurant management, which, you know, I don't recommend. But I was no, like, I'm, I'm never. No, that does not sound fun. <laughs> I, I never really wanted to do it again because I, I just really wanted my life to be my own. Um, so it, it really is an extraordinary type of mindset to really – take on that burden because essentially not that it's a burden to have employees, but you're, it's a responsibility. Yeah. They all have lives. They all have families. They mm -hmm. all have needs. And, um, you know, it's, it's and a, you want to do right by them and you want to do right. But by you them. also need them to do right by you. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I think without further ado, we're going to introduce Soren and Alex and get to their conversation. Um, cause as usual, they're, they're way more interesting than the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, without further ado, let's, uh, switch over and talk to Soren and Alex. All right, let's do it. Okay, so we are here with Soren Clark, president owner of Clark Built and Alex Briggs, operations manager. Thanks for coming in, guys. Hey, guys. Yeah, thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a little cloudier today. Usually we're kind of, we feel bad we're bringing people in on sunny days, but today is kind of back to our... Well, this is typical spring. <laughs> typical spring weather. You never finally. know what you're going to get. Exactly. So, um, so we'll just start kind of going into a little bit of your background. Soren, if you could maybe give us a little uh, trip down your memory lane, sure. how you got into the business and um, built up your company. Yeah, I think of it as a pretty atypical process. I went the whole traditional route of going to college, and I moved to Portland to go to graduate school for geology. And the summer before school was starting, I just picked up a job with a general contractor in Portland. And day one got dropped off because I didn't even have a car at the time with 
just a small tool bag and day one was demoing a roof. And by the end of day one, I was pretty convinced that this was what I was supposed to be doing and did continue to fulfill and finish my master's studies. Um, the general contractor I was working for was really encouraged me to do that. And he was an academic himself. And I worked for him basically every moment I had free time and winter breaks and summer vacations. And at the end of it, um, I just started working for him full time. And that must have been in 2004. And about two years later, 2006, I just kind of ventured on my own, just um, went and got my own general contractor's license and worked as an independent contractor to other builders and contractors, primarily Duncan and Top Hammer, who I was working for, just hired me kind of full time as an independent contractor, however that works. And then 2008 came around and all the big boys stopped having work. Yeah, <laughs> the Great Recession. And all the little guys, it was kind of figure out what to do. And I get at the same time I got my general contractor's license, I bought my first house in North Portland. And it was a total dump, a standard craftsman beater um, in kind of that skirts of the Mississippi area. So I was also working full time as a carpenter and nights and weekends and every single minute on my own house, just demoed down to the studs and put it back together. Tons of learning in that process. Yeah. So back to 2008, uh, pretty much no work. I was able to find somebody to just rent my house and I just packed up my big truck full of all my tools and drove down to California where my mom wanted her kitchen remodeled. And so I remodeled that pretty quick because it was a pretty small, easy kitchen. And then I found myself sitting in the parking lot with a lot of other folks um, just waiting for contractors to pick us up and literally was worked for about six more months like that. Wow. Um, just day rates. And a couple times I just said, you don't even have to pay me for the first day. You'll see that I'm worth everything and sure enough it just worked over and over and over and finally i got tired of california yeah and i was getting phone calls that happens <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i was getting phone calls in portland people wanted a couple jobs so i had a couple things lined up and i moved back and that was 2009 and by 2010 i had a couple helper employees and then here we are at 2021 and it's a completely different ball game well, it sounds like you're using your geology degree because you're rocking your own business now. I'm rocking my own business. Yeah, you're a geologist. And <laughs> changed my rock hammer to a standard <laughs> framing hammer and trim hammer. Um, yeah. I don't know that the academics themselves taught me a lot about this, uh, but they gave me a ton of experience that I encourage a lot of people to continue with. Um, but in retrospect, had I been introduced to this as a real profession at a prior to graduate school or anything like that, I probably would have been down that field a lot quicker. Right. As a kid, I was always building things. Naturally, I grew up in a pretty old house. Neither one of my parents are mechanically inclined whatsoever. 
my dad's a classical musician and my mom was a flight attendant and I just hung out with the kids in the neighborhood building skateboard ramps and little bike yeah. jumps and tree houses. And then into college, it was like, oh, I don't need to buy a desk or a bed frame. I can figure out how to make that sort of thing. Yeah. So it was always there naturally, but the introduction was never there until I got up here into in Portland. Sort of an organic evolution into yeah. That's where you are today. Exactly. And I definitely... Kind of a cool thing of life, though. I mean, it's really a walk of life. I mean, you just kind of let life guide you. That's exactly right. And I continue that with like the business philosophy. I just treat it as an organic kind of process. I don't know if that's good or bad. Sometimes it definitely lacks the structure that you would like for a formal business, but seems to make it a little funner and um, yeah, <laughs> more flexibility. Definitely more, flex more flexibility. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, how many employees do you have now? Well, I should go back till probably 2003 or four. One of the first two years I was living in Portland, I did play college uh, soccer in college. And when I moved to Portland, I played some adult leagues. And one of the teams I played with met Alex Briggs, who was another uh, we were both reasonably decent soccer players, maybe in our prime. <laughs> and I met Alex and he was also in the carpentry area and he was kind of flipping his own houses. So we became close friends pretty quickly based on soccer and our shared passion for uh, carpentry and old house stuff. Um, that was now Alex might be able to answer the question that actually how many formal employees do we have right now? Yeah, right now, I guess we just added one. Thankfully, it's not easy to find any right now. But yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Um, and now I guess it'd be it's twelve carpenters, a project manager, a specific project manager, uh, in-house architect, and then um, an office manager. So, so pretty good, you know. Yeah, no, it's mid-size a, operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mid-size, and that's seen some expansion and contraction over. Kind of the last yeah. year or so, which yeah. has been, you know, so kind on. of part of that organic philosophy. I think it's, you know, what Clark built has built. It has a pretty good kind of universal like ethic, and you kind of see the personality types that thrive within Clark built. So I mean, some of it has been you know people leaving to pursue other interests or another opportunity, but kind of right now we've kind of worked ourselves into you know really a really tight knit team that all kind of has like a shared view of how to work and working together and kind of what we're trying to accomplish. So it's, it's the organic process where I would say right now is bearing fruit. Very nice. Great. And did you come from a background of carpentry or how did you get it? I didn't really, I kind of had a similar situation of Soren. I mean, I had it in my family. My great grandfather emigrated to uh, Portland from Italy and he's a cabinet maker. So he started here making stuff. Um, it then, as it often does, kind of skips generations. So it's yeah. like, you know, similar to Soren, my my dad. I didn't have like a workshop at my house or tools at my disposal, really. But Grandpa was an engineer, um, so there was something there. And then Uncle was a contractor. So I went to school as a religious studies major. So um, you know, I turned down all those fruitful 
Well, Jesus job, was a carpenter. Yeah, right? and all those fruitful yeah. job opportunities <laughs> that come from being a religious studies major. I right. you know, right, right. had to turn down a lot of jobs yeah. after I got out of school. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, I mean, I did, you know, kind of labor in high school for my uncle right. pushing a broom around and kind of seeing it. And but kind of like Soren, I always liked building and I always liked design. And then getting out just had a strange opportunity from a friend who just was trying to start a furniture business so making furniture out of reclaimed material and i said is like look man i don't really have the background yet but i know i can do this so just throw me in there and it's kind of a year with a couple artists and it went pretty well and then that was in uh, back in wisconsin where i went to school and came back here and then within a year of that working uh, with my uncle who is a contractor and uh, learning kind of the more residential remodeling carpentry trade and that time of meeting up with Soren and we were on kind of similar timeline paths of being carpenters and both of us, I think we're pretty hardworking and ambitious and did the same thing, you know, bought a house really young and worked on that nights and weekends. And that's where I built up some of my chops on top of just working every day. And then, yeah, got to 2008 and then it's like, take whatever, take whatever job anyone yeah. offers you and just never say no. And, I think some of that mindset has probably carried on for both of us for yeah. how we've, you know, some of our successes has, has come from that. Just kind of like willingness to figure out problems and, and do work and do as much work as possible and kind of push yourself to, uh, you know, high standard. And with uh, a number of employees, it sounds like you got several projects going at a time generally or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right big now, projects right. probably four or five at a time yeah. and then t just an endless list of small projects maybe sure. that yeah it's usually about like 15 in process at a time yeah. oh wow um yeah of you know kind of the i'd say probably our the whole house remodel or you know kind of right. the larger scale remodels would be kind of more of a bread and butter so you have three four or five of those anchoring your schedule and then as depending on what phases are going on, you're trying to slip in a bathroom or a kitchen, or sometimes it'll even be like punch list work for someone. But. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think you two are the first we've talked to um, that kind of have a, a larger operation. Most of everyone we've talked to have been kind of a one man yeah, show, a uh, one man show. So what was the advantage for you guys in, in building an organization as opposed to just kind of working for yourselves and, um, well, I really enjoy watching other people learn. I really enjoyed, I felt very fortunate to have, uh, be an apprentice to somebody that was, <laughs> I would say patient, but he definitely was not patient. Um, but mm -hmm. very skilled and very knowledgeable and just kind of threw me at things and gave me, had, put, um, confidence in me to just take on just about anything. And I think I either picked that up from him or it was just already naturally there that I like that having somebody that maybe wants to learn something or just has a passion or just needs a job. Mm -hmm. And it's, I find an ability to be that be very helpful for me as a field carpenter to have somebody just doing some of the little menial tasks that don't help. I do see that a lot of other carpenters similar to myself have a really difficult time managing or 
and really don't find the enjoyment out of training somebody. They just kind of expect the next guy to know how to use a skill saw when they show up to day one. Well, I take a tremendous amount of caution with somebody using a skill saw the very first time. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to just say, hey, go cut that piece of wood. I'm going to stand over your shoulder and really hold your hand. And it probably takes down in some of the efficiency in the beginning. But in the end, you the end goal is to have somebody that works sensibly the way you do and is hand in hand doing the same thing that you're doing. It And it is a very slow, long process. But I will say I went to college for six years <laughs> and I paid a lot of money. Yeah. And these <laughs> apprentices or helpers are getting paid. And if they're passionate about it, they're learning. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's a it can be a win win. Totally. I think it's kind of telling of the entire um, situation. I think everybody, all a lot of contractors are in right now, and the complaints of oh, there's not available craftsmen. There's not. Well, I think the there might need to be a little rethinking in a lot of these folks' mindsets and like, well, it might be some of our responsibility at this point, or it might be some of our fault for not taking on some of these other folks to train them to become skilled right so, right so kind of that legacy of bringing people into the trade and cultivating them and giving them that opportunity to come up in carpentry that's sort of an important value for, for me to, absolutely yeah. and i i enjoy it and yeah it'd be great to just say hey there's just always available fully tooled and trucked carpenters just driving around all over the place and you can just hire and fire at will, I guess. But it seems a little bit more enjoyable for me to take somebody from ground, just the very bottom, maybe a little bit of experience, just familiarity with a tape measure or something. Um, and yeah, instill something in them at a young, early age. And especially if it's in an environment that's um, healthy for them, because there are some bad instructors out there, I suppose you could say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Alex? What what do you like about the management side of the business? Yeah, it's, that's interesting. It's been, you know, kind of a growth process in that. I think after 2008, I got into, you know, I was a solo guy, I guess, um, doing renovating and selling houses myself and kind of soaring around similar paths of what we're doing. And we crossed paths where he would build cabinets for a project I was doing, or maybe sometimes I'd come over and, and sub on a project he was on. And I think for me, I just, it's fun to be in that kind of project where maybe you're doing the design build and doing everything yourself. But then after a while you kind of one, it's just the camaraderie of working on a team and doing stuff together, which is really cool. Which definitely, I think I was missing sometimes in that environment. Um, but also kind of the economy of scale when it's just fun to see that when you start adding more people in the equation, just kind of the volume of work you can get done when you start getting that exponential um, output just by adding people into it and then mixing in people with different talents and different skill sets and different specializations. So you kind of just now see us having our own cabinet shop and having kind of different tiered levels of carpenters and people who are really good at tile or people can jump on electrical. So it's just fun having to be part of a team that can kind of accomplish so many different things and deal with so many different jobs and maintain a level of quality and 
maintain a standard. And for me and Soren, I think transitioning out of being like that, you know, low level intro carpenter, a job to then maybe a lead carpenter on a job. And then now getting into that point where you're really, you know, I don't put a tool belt on for the job very often anymore, which I do miss, but I've, your knees I think, will thank you as yeah, you get older. You know, I think I was I was a good carpenter, but I think I'm probably a better manager than I was a carpenter. So I do I do enjoy some of the tactics and, and some of the skills involved with being in a manager. And it's just for me, it's just that team mentality of just it's fun utilizing everyone's talents and just putting the pieces together to have successful projects and hopefully having a healthy, you know, healthy workplace for the people that are involved too. So yeah, absolutely. Is that true for you too, Soren? Are you, do you put on a tool belt much anymore? Actually, I've kind of reverted back, and yeah, I'm tooled up four days a week. Oh, so okay. I just because you want to. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, it it's funny how it happened. I just had a, a kid kind of come up to me, and he was kind of bugging me here over and over, like, "Hey, I, I want to learn how to do something. I want to work and." want to learn to do carpentry and I just kind of gave in and said okay I'll pick up a couple more jobs just for us um so I've been enjoying that again being able to tool and have a ground zero apprentice just next to me watching him grow every every day is like a first for him and it's just really cool to watch and then by the third time he does it i don't have to be around to watch anymore nice. so that's how it should work yeah. that is i mean right now obviously we have a shortage of skilled carpenters and people going into the trades what do you guys think what do you think we could do as an industry to get people interested in in carpentry or i personally think there's a massive amount of interest i think yeah. there is a ton i get hit up a lot from people wanting apprenticeship positions, new hires, they they formally say, "Yeah, I'm totally green. I just mm -hmm. have a really big interest in this." A lot of people, I think the pandemic brought this on as well. A lot of people were just tired of their office job, and now they're at home and they're, yeah. "Hey, I want to learn how to work on my house. Who knows?" Yeah. Um, but also a lot of youth doing the same thing, like, and I think like Benson and there's a few other kind of lower level right. educated uh, trade programs that are encouraging this. Um, I think, like you said, it is a lack of skilled, available skilled carpenters. That's a fact. I don't think there's a lack of interest in people taking and pursuing the trades, but what we need to do as a whole, like I said earlier, I think is a lot of these skilled people like myself or other people that you've interviewed that have, it's just themselves. They might consider just taking on one helper. Yeah. A, just a young kid. There's a couple other construction schools for underprivileged or different youth programs in Portland that have available people that have done some sort of little programs that at least give you um, a little bit of hope that they're not, that they're going to show up to work every day. Right, right. Right. And there's a plenty of people that are un, unemployed and just like listening to your previous podcast with McCoy, it seems like, you know, it's not like you're picking up wood salespeople. Right. 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 All of you have come from different backgrounds. Right. Yes, exactly. Bartending yeah. or and, hotels. And or, you yeah. can learn and succeed into a lot of different things 
And I think that's the same with the trades in carpentry. I'll say for having whatever 12 carpenters that we have, not every single one of them is equal at every single aspect. And especially with what we do, which is what I call remodeling carpentry, you are kind of expected to know the facet of a lot of different carpentry, quote unquote, which is framing, finished carpentry, some staircase stuff, some handrail stuff, yeah. some cab- cabinetry stuff. So you're kind of doing everything within a space as far as the wood and all of that goes. I'm afraid that the trades has also encouraged a lot of just single path trades. Mm-hmm. So you're just, just specialized in just one thing. I don't know if that's particularly bad, but it's going to yeah. limit your ability to <clears throat> find employment in if that one trade slows down or it's overloaded with too many people. So having a diverse background in that sort of stuff is to me seems like a way to encourage people for a long lasting employment opportunity. So maybe, you know, employers themselves need to implement a little bit of patience and willingness to train the right person, as opposed to maybe just looking for the ultimate skilled person from the beginning. It sounds like, Sounds like you have a unique approach. It seems really productive that way, you know, or inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think maybe right now it's unique. Um, I, I'm, I would, I'm hopeful that it's going to kind of change to become a normalized mindset. I know there are other people definitely doing this sort of thing. It's not a completely unique. Uh, The only other thing, you know, I've thought over and over, how do you create like a really specialized trade school? Right. Like, right. Well, how do you, well, I think that takes some uh, extra effort on contractors ends to probably create some sort of night program. Yeah. I mean, the unions, it's like a union style thing, but mm-hmm. kind of doing it uh, right. privatized, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So if people in your position all kind of got together to sponsor a sort of, program where you're all kind of putting something into developing up and coming carpenters. Yeah. People are apprentices. They could come in different contractors have different apprentices that maybe once a week, one of the main contractors puts together a hands-on tutorial workshop of here's how we build our staircases. Yeah. That's the other thing is that, Remodeling carpentry is not universal. There's a lot of different approaches to this. So we run into that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Especially with stairs. Right. Everyone has a different, little different method for things. And in my opinion, if the end result comes out the same and it, you know, it comes down to efficiency, if you're trying to become uh, fruitful with it, um, and obviously it has to be super long lasting, um, then each approach is equal. Um, that's another benefit I find from getting somebody super green is that now they're learning a process the way our entire team does right. it. Finding somebody with a big skill set and a bunch of tools and they walk in and they have an ego of how they've done it their way this whole time. And if they um, aren't really res- <laughs> responsive to criticism or um, it's just a really di- makes a difficult environment to work in. Yeah. Like it's in a way sort of understanding what you don't know too, or what you skills you don't have. Like I just had this friend who hired a contractor who was a skilled contractor 
to redo her stairs and she ended up having to fire him because he did it all wrong and she's having a stair specialist come in and clean up the mess and that's not an uncommon story i hear that a lot that's yeah yeah <laughs> kind of knowing your lane a little bit yeah, you know exactly yeah. so so alex what do you think um as far as an employee what are some good um traits or values that they that you would look for in a good employee yeah i mean i think obviously i mean when we're looking around um and we've hired kind of several i mean grown pretty quickly in the past couple of years so i've gone through this hiring process a number of times and we've learned some things from maybe three years ago when we were just almost looking for warm bodies who could do right. work just to kind of like <laughs> fill in to now maybe having a more refined vetting process and stuff. But I yeah. think a lot of them are kind of what Soren speaks to is just character mm -hmm. um, points of someone. And, you know, if they, they really seem like they have, you know, honesty and integrity and mm -hmm. willingness to work and kind of a humble attitude to learn, you know, it's like there's a lot of skills that can be taught to someone, but some of those character things that have developed over 20, 25 years, those are kind of locked in. So it's like right. you really, especially I think because the chemistry on our team is so important and we, you know, we've seen that it leads to the best results. So it's like I would rather take a green person with no skills than, you know, a journeyman carpenter who's a diva who can't take instruction or can't work <laughs> with so many are you can't there are some yeah. out there um <laughs> you know so i think so i think we're kind of lurking learning that and part of it i think comes from just you know being lucky that right now the people we do have and people that have worked with us for several years are have those character traits and are also you know super skilled so we feel good bringing you know younger greener people into that environment just to know that now we can kind of focus on finding the right personalities that can then be taught the skills or if they have some skills, great. And then we can just build on those. Excellent. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So what do you guys, what would you say would be sort of your big evolutionary moment where it kind of went from small scale to, you know, taking it up to that next level? Uh, I would say that the first big whole house remodel I got, think it must have been in 2011 uh, and it was a Victorian townhouse in Northwest Portland mm. 1891 mm. and gutting that well actually it was selective gutting and with a big steel beam in the basement some it it, it was one of those big dollar value for a young contractor um, that turned and it kind of got me some exposure because there was a sign in the front yard. A lot of the stuff prior to that was a couple bathrooms and kitchens and just kind of smaller remodel stuff. I hadn't gotten into the whole house yet. And so this was the first whole house that I did independently. And I think, yeah, I started bringing on people along with that one, I was still doing a few other remodel projects at the same time. So needed the extra help and hire a guy and he has a friend and you bring his friend in, meet a guy at the bar, bring him to work and, you know, just kept evolving that way. You get to have success with one project and they recommend somebody else. You get another one and that's just how it's, 
organically gone the entire time is word of mouth doing a job you say you're going to do show up when you say you're going to show up and charge what you say you're going to charge and you're well, going it, it doesn't hurt to have your your business sign in the yard of a high exposure area on a really exactly intricate old house exactly you know? yeah so. and then that one house i submitted for one of the awards through nari um the remodelers association and we won for like national whole house remodel at oh. a certain dollar value so i don't know if that had any i don't believe i got any calls for that um i'd like to say my little stint on um one of the diy network programs got me a ton of work but that didn't happen either <laughs> oh did you have a program well, I did the house crashers with another contractor in Portland. Oh, fun. And yeah, we had all our shirts and all that stuff on. And I did have a couple of people reach out saying they wanted to remodel their basement for in two days for $5,000. <laughs> oh, yeah. The reality uh -huh. kicked How in. How long ago was that? Quite a while ago. Five years? Six? Six? Uh, maybe longer than that, I think. Maybe even longer. Yeah. Seven years? I think I might know who... Was it Shelbyville? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah David and Justin, yeah. That's when I met David okay. at Shelbyville was like on that project. And I was working at Rejuvenation at that time. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did a lot of- bounced around there, Oh, yeah. Gary. <laughs> well, a lot of people know the Shelbyville guys. You see yeah. them everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. We see them in here quite a bit, too. Yeah. And yeah. That, all, all your favorite music venues. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Last time I saw David, it was at the, the Laurel Thirst before, yep. before COVID, of course. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think I know that Victorian house. We've used some of your pictures. We have that trim styles brochure, and uh -huh. I think maybe we've used one of your photos from that project. Yeah, there's a lot so. of large profile, multi-step yeah. crown, and yeah, that was yeah, some beautiful woodwork in there to match up. You guys have always been very cooperative with sharing your photos. We really appreciate mm -hmm. it. Because on our end, because we're just the material supplier, it is like really impossible for us to get photos to show our products so we're, yeah we can we're... just put together your sales brochures for you yeah Perfect. <laughs> you'll be in every every page right? yeah exactly it'll just be you know a brochure for clark built yeah. but no we appreciate that and so that is one thing i've noticed um you know there are some contractors out there they don't even have social media pages they don't their website probably hasn't been updated since you know 2001 yeah um that's one thing. You guys have a really lovely website. You're active on social media. Um, is that kind of a big part of your strategy as far as overall? I don't, not, I don't know if it's necessarily a strategy. I personally have, <clears throat> I think, fun with it. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, signs in the front yard and signs on the vans. I'm not really looking for solicitations of work i like the word of mouth process but i mm -hmm. think a website and social media is a good reference point for people to just go look at something say mm -hmm. their neighbor liked re recommends me well here's a website you can go look at some right. of that's about all i'm trying to get out of it yeah um and then social media i can just have fun with it it's also kind yeah. of yeah i don't do the facebook or anything else for personal stuff so it's you know some of my friends from other part of the country want to see something like, oh that's what's going on up there yeah. yeah i think it's it's a cool way to engage with your community too i mean sure yes especially or, an us. organic way to engage with the community yeah so. exactly yeah but you know and kind of see what everybody else is up to 
mean, as far as for us, it's very valuable because we see, oh, you guys have been working on a lot of mid-century moderns or you've been mm-hmm. uh, doing a lot of this. So we kind of see what's happening in the business. So for us, think, there's a yeah, lot of value in that. Some clients probably look at it too as kind of like a level of professionalism where it's like yeah. they can yeah. obviously see what you execute and see the pretty pictures, which is kind of what everyone wants. But just some of the weird, you know, everyone has those weird contractor stories that like you, you know, I paid this contractor, he ran off. It's like you have this like <laughs> accountability thing that shows that you're a legit operation and, you know, a lot of people. Yeah. You let your work speak for itself. Yeah. Yeah. Know? I mean, that goes a long way. Yeah. Exactly. yeah they're out. Um, okay. <laughs> so you guys have some interests outside of carpentry as well. Um, Alex, you also have another business, do you not? Yeah, um, well, I'm a, a partial owner of a local bar, but that is primarily my wife is the principal owner and the manager and the heart and soul of that thing. So I'm just uh, the glorified custodian <laughs> or fix it person, really. So she's the one that, but yeah, Real Men Tavern on Southeast Division. Oh, that's, excellent chicken. That's famous for the chicken. They make some good chicken. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, my wife, I. I'm just the support factor for that and luckily have an amazing wife who handles that business. Nice. But I definitely, yeah, am involved in in uh in the ups and downs this last year. So Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So are you guys back open? Yeah, yeah. Open. It's always an ongoing saga to see if it's gonna be open or closed <laughs> right. or anything. So yeah, she, no, she's masks, had a, no she's, masks. She's yeah. had to deal with quite yeah, quite the roller coaster. So yeah, that has definitely so probably more than the Clark built business. The restaurant business was definitely uh, impacted by COVID. yeah. Con- I mean, construction seemed to be pretty resilient. Obviously, that last year for us, I mean, it was pretty complicated. You know, it's like initially because then obviously everyone around the country is for the most part is freaking out and yeah. trying to figure out what kind of norms and what standards and there's so many unknowns. So it's like. So we still had jobs. We still had jobs in process. So then it's like, right. okay, now everyone's at home. So now you're going into people's homes and the level of sanitation and, and masking and how to navigate that. And, you know, people are, you know, anyone gets a sniffle, you're not going to, I mean, it's just like yeah. the logistics and scheduling became a nightmare. So I think that was, you know, we've worked really hard and had, you know, some tough years, I think, but that one, I think really tried, you know, Soren and myself and on an end of just like management where it's just like, just setting you're up not even, it's not even about like doing this volume of work or dealing with complicated technical issues of like, you know, trying to execute some of the stuff we normally do. It's just like these weird managerial safety protocols and just all these unknowns and you know personnel and your and your employees and their livelihoods and and yeah it was really that was it was tough so yeah i mean i can imagine so what was that conversation like in the beginning when it all kind of started unfolding the pandemic i think uh when they had the lockdown for everyone except for essential businesses which was us i asked the guys if they wanted to keep working and literally gave them the option and everyone did want to. So we just kept plugging away and just had our kind of COVID protocols, which were, if you have obviously sniffles or any sort of things, uh, 
I think, what did we, I gave four weeks paid if they needed to feel like they needed to take time off or yeah. something. So some people took, I think one guy literally took all four weeks off. Some other guys just took a week off here and there when they just weren't feeling it because not only was it physically feeling sick, it, there's a lot of anxiety that got well, involved yeah. with it. And every time you felt any kind of sickness no. and you couldn't get tests yeah. at that point. So it's yeah. like everything was going off of like, well, I came into contact with this person who was in contact, you know, you started getting into the yeah. six right. degrees. You wanted to do the right thing and you want to do the right thing. Yeah. But at the same time, you just like, yeah, it was a tough balancing act. Yeah. We asked the, the clients if they wanted us to continue to finish their projects and everyone, you know, we told them what we were going to do for the safety. And fortunately everyone just said, keep going. And we just yeah. did. And we finished off the big jobs we had. And then, yeah, it turned into just, yeah, the, kind of management chaos because then at that point all the big jobs we had lined up we couldn't start nobody everyone was back at home and right. they just all hit the brakes yeah uh, and then we turned into handyman yeah yeah just 10 15 jobs a day it's wow sometimes they were little just, bathroom repairs just anything yeah, yeah anything yeah. door yeah. squeaking yeah just anything so like it's 2008 all over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With 15 employees. Yeah. With yeah. keeping everyone employed full time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, how would that change like your bidding process when now all of a sudden you have people who are at home all day and, you know, the expectations are just so much different, like when handling a whole house remodel? Yeah. I mean, well, I like to say that the pandemic only improved our business in a way that a lot of our remodels are with occupied houses. So we're doing kitchens and bathrooms and they, they stay occupied. That's uh, probably 75% of our work is with occupied houses. And so we yeah. set up very formal site protection, which is primarily for dust. Well, once we got into the part of uh, people being at home and kids at home for school and work, we had the noise issue. So now we're contending with that. And I think we just improved our dust barriers and our like access to and from the job site and job site cleanliness and being aware of all these other things. And for me personally, it's like, I'm not a really, uh, don't wear my protective equipment as much as I should. So my masks and my goggles and my ear protection, I've slacked on in the past. Well, once the mask mandate came on, I found myself just wearing a mask and getting very comfortable and realizing, oh, I just went in a crawl space and I don't have that itchy throat right, anymore. Right. Oh, it's because I was wearing this mask. So it's improved a lot of probably just personal safety. Yeah. Um, I, we don't have a solution to the noise problem for the occupied houses. That's no. about it. No. Yeah. <laughs> but our, yeah, our protect, site protections are spot on now. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good that's come out of the pandemic. I mean, as much as yeah, uh, you can say that, but you know, I for one didn't get sick for a whole year, which was pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was like first year I didn't have a flu or like a really bad cold, and I think it's also given every business the opportunity to really look at their systems and see how yeah 100%. they can strengthen them, make them better, digitize things because right. obviously you know well remote working is probably going to be far more prevalent <clears throat> now than it was before. Yeah, because it's efficient. They're realizing it's pretty darn efficient. Yeah, depending on what kind of business it is. You guys have a main office, right? Yeah, we're right here on Southeast Market, right off Hawthorne. Oh so, yeah, yeah. So were you able to keep the office going? Yeah, there's the whole thing or 
one full-time office staff and then Alex and Toby, another project manager, come and go. Alex is almost there probably full-time anymore. And then the architect. And I think we did kind of shut down the office partially and Stacy was working from home. So we did kind of shut down and it was really built around like Stacy's comfort with the office. Yeah. Because, and some, you know, everyone had their own personal take on how far to go with um, right. safety and some weeks she wouldn't want anyone in the office mm -hmm. or she would only come in when no one was there and other weeks it was a little bit more casual. So again, the organic process allowed us to just be like, okay, we'll work around everybody and it's okay. And fortunately, most of our office stuff is can do remotely. We mm -hmm. just have the printers yeah. and the plotter and stuff <laughs> in the office. So, Right. Um, so you guys, I mean, you're not just carpenters. You do the design work too on the remodels? We do drafting, and which is mostly like floor plan layouts and all the documents you need to get a permit. We don't do interior design which is tile right. paint colors um we can advise on where to go shopping for that we can give our personal opinions which in my the way i approach that is to, to tell the client you know i don't know what you'd like right yeah <laughs> we have to say that a lot too. i'm sure but they yes. just they want they really want somebody to tell them the rules and like what they should I do know. it yeah. seems like a lot of times they know? can give me a picture from anywhere right. and i can replicate a picture quite yeah. easily yeah yeah that's what happens probably most often now is... yeah just here go to my website look at the picture which bathroom did you like oh that's your style okay yeah. right yeah we get i the... actually had a a lady come in today and talking to me and saying i need some moldings for mantles and i'm like that could be anything yep. you have all this to choose from because she thought i would just pick the things for her so yeah that's, that's not my job yeah find You're the picture yep. get yourself in a bathroom and you have right. how many i don't even know how long the list of all the finishes that we have oh well now we're at grout color and now yeah yeah just... exactly <laughs> so many options well, I, I've mentioned that before because we're at the very end of the process. You know, we're like the finished stuff. And so people have, homeowners have been picking, you know, they've been picking their tile, their flooring, their pulls on their cabinets, like everything. And finally, like when they get down to us, they're like, good God, just like pick something for yeah, us. I can't the even fatigue, The fatigue is set in for sure. <laughs> I can't even imagine choosing from here. And so... I guess it is nice to have those sort of design systems in place. Like you said, you have projects that you could show like, Hey, this is a tutor we did, or this is a four square or whatever. And then they can go by that. Yeah. And with Instagram and Pinterest now it's like people are essentially choosing from four different templates. Right, <laughs> it's like right. You do see a lot of the same stuff again and again. So it's like the modern farmhouse with the, black cladded windows and the shiplap and the that kind of yeah you have that there. and then like the clean more modern mid-century with yeah. you know brass or gold fixtures and schoolhouse not you know just like yeah. we are lucky here obviously in portland just to have like rejuvenation centered here and schoolhouse electric centered yeah. here and yeah. obviously great access to like wood and a couple of tile man you know it's like there's McCoy portland Park. we have a and we have obviously the best millwork <laughs> um store on the planet so yeah. um <laughs> yeah i mean it's like we do have a wealth of options here for kind of doing some pretty amazing stuff yeah. so. 
Yeah. So what uh, what kind of homes do you guys like working on the most? Is there a particular era that you're mm. fond of more than you others? Can start. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like I like ranch. Yeah. Homes, I think. That's what I have. Looks, I have a ranch. I've, I think <laughs> both of us, we kind of cut our teeth probably on doing kind of like the period restoration. Yeah. I grew up in an old Portland house kind of down the street from here and did so many of those coming up. And I just, I like, I like clean lines, simple spaces, open floor plan one, stuff. And one level. Yeah. I mean, not even that so much, but it's just like, I, you know, I think I just, I just kind of gravitate towards a kind of clean aesthetic. So it might be more of that simple. Yeah. More yeah. Simple. So, um, that would be for me to work on. Yeah. I I'm probably leaning heavily in the direction of Alex. I think when I bought my first house, 1920 little bungalow craftsman in North Portland, it was just everything I ever wanted. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And lots of detail, lots of little things. Yeah. And I could kind of put to get put it. And that was probably one of my first experiences really shopping at McCoy. Cause I, yeah, I built up some multi-layered crown on my own and you had these, I think it might've been one of the first runs of kind of the square crown profile that I squared off kind of oh, the shaker crown. The yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I built that with a nice little picture rail underneath it. Again, a nice little squared mm -hmm. picture mm -hmm. rail. I don't know what the profile numbers are. Um, 506. We can test them. Yeah. Just test yeah them. <laughs> where's the catalog? I'm going to do a little test here. Uh, and I loved all of it, building up some wainscot and I don't know. Yeah. Once you do about 25 of those and lath and plaster and foundations that are crumbling and yeah, and everything's out of level, you just start. Then I, it was probably just in the last two or three years we started getting, looking at ranches and 1950s mm -hmm. mid-century stuff and going in the basement and it's like perfect nah. the house is level i mean we can move pretty much any wall in this place you and can, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, framing no, is right. just super yeah. easy to deal popcorn with popcorn ceilings though right and yeah, a lot of there can be an asbestos yeah. problem with them yeah. Yep. yeah so but and then yeah it makes just the design transition seemingly a lot easier so to work on yeah i think a newer mid-century is yeah well, and a lot of the, we've said this on other shows, a lot of the trend today is the um, industrial modern look, which takes that mid-century look to the next level, just flat, clean lines. Yeah, you can just transition and, pretty easily yeah, into that. Yeah, Not as good for mill workshops like us, though. The no, not if you want to learn good carpentry skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where do you guys see Clark Boat going in the next five to 10 years? Uh, that's uh, uh, <laughs> don't think in the future in this organic yeah, we're process. Just, <laughs> we're still trying to, out, trying to figure out trying to figure out day by day. Uh, um, I don't know. I think I mean we do talk about that a lot. Just some of that more mid-range goal. I think of when we're talking about like creating the team and how to some of those questions you talked about before about like hiring and training. So it's like what is kind of getting to our ideal level because obviously you kind of have to deal with like you're in this like the ebb and flow of like the market. So right now, you know, it's been hot in Portland yeah, for a while. So you also want to create something that's like, you know, has some resiliency and can be built to weather. So I think right now we have a, a really strong team dynamic and at least the number of people, but I think both of us, I think hope that we can 
you know, continue to grow and, and train and find the people that we have now put them in a position to where they feel good, where then, you know, probably multiple people have an apprentice with them. So then maybe we can get up to levels. Okay. Now we have 20 carpenters and I think we have a chance, you know, maybe to do some with, you know, Soren being at the coast and doing a lot of work at the coast, maybe just expanding beyond Portland a little bit to do some more jobs that way would be fun, but it's also might be maybe just stay out of the coast and let that be a, a place for <laughs> yeah. where Soren can actually relax and not have to think about work so much. Right. But, uh, I mean, I think like anybody just, I personally would be happy if we were the same size now and still successful and mm -hmm. everyone has, you know, great jobs and health insurance and is finding themselves in a position where they can buy a house or raise a family. I mean, that has become very important to have like yeah. a healthy company in that way and obviously continue to for everyone to get better at their craft and continue to you know have these great relationships with clients over multiple projects so i mean i think obviously very optimistic about the future but um i think knowing with the topsy-turviness of what can happen in the market of both of us going through a couple different recessions as workers it's right oh, kind yeah. of puts you on edge a little bit to try to you know make too many continue plans. to run a business yeah. as yeah. you know effectively and and positively so that you can, you know, continue to, you know, be able to still work on stuff that's dynamic and yeah. challenging and fulfilling for yourself and your client. No thoughts of retirement in the near future. Doesn't sound like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Soren? What do you uh, see? Pretty similar. I mean, this is much bigger than I ever imagined things ever being mm. on a business that, I run or my name is attached to, uh, getting a lot bigger. I mean, if the project, if yeah, we can move up people in the lead carpenter position in the project management, we're able to handle some bigger, higher level projects with the number of staff we have or growing. Um, I could envision it growing a bit more, but, um, I, I'm just really stuck on this organic thing of just like, yeah, hey, let's just great. see what happens and keep rolling with it. We're, we do have a lot of, there is a, I think on my end, me personally in five years, I would like to say I'm working about 30 hours less than I am a week. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. But um, <laughs> do I think my personality will allow me to do that? I don't know about that either. So I don't really know. Five years is... I'll have a five-year-old and another five-year-old. Uh, That's right. You guys both. Yeah, you and both we both had kids had, right around the same time. Yeah, one month apart. Yeah, and they're both. My his just turned two. Mine's turning two, and yeah, that I, changes the game quite a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a little more tired in the morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> old old dad life. Trying to, yeah. Right. So part of it, you know. With your name attached to your business, I mean that's your legacy. And so, how does your family play into hmm. to all that? It's a good question. I don't know. Maya might be the you know starting project management next month. So, detail oriented. Yeah, women in construction are big. Oh yeah, big yeah two year old. She yeah. can just take it, <laughs> jump in. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't haven't given much thought to. Okay. Yeah. Like having a kid for me, I mean, obviously for most people, it gives pretty intense perspective on and focus to 
goals and priorities and it forces you into time management situations yeah. that you kind of weren't in before, <laughs> which plays into, you know, everything now is framed into like, how does this work in yeah. to my family's life and, and schedule and providing for them for a future. And, um, you know, I'm pretty excited. My son Vinny is a, a tool fanatic. So too, he's already used the Sawzall. He can, drive a screw you can nail heck yeah he is a, is a fanatic for it so i mean for me it's kind of fun to see about yeah potentially passing on skills to younger generations yeah, yeah sounds totally. like you guys got it's, you the future generation it's pretty fun going. so yeah if, i'd be happy if they want to just like take over you know maybe sooner than later it might be nice so, you know. well um one thing every year we do is uh, we missed it this last year, the Love It Deconstruction, the Dropbox Derby. I always love watching you guys because you are so competitive during. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't been, it's that's, a that's design build competition. There, yeah. You have what? I think it's like eight hours to complete a, a project. You're given a theme the night before. And then mm -hmm. you're given like. They're all uh, sustainable materials. They're so reclaimed. Reuse, yeah. yeah. And you basically just have to come up with something on the fly. And mm. then it's a judge competition. And it's it's pretty cool. You guys, I love the foosball table. That was, that was, that was one of my favorites. I, mean, yeah, I will say <laughs> I have just the most pride, I think, out of anything that we've accomplished as a business with some of those things at the Dropbox Derby. Really? And yeah, I mean, to, I think it's only four hours. Oh, yeah. yeah well, maybe four, it is. Four hours, yeah. A full functioning foosball. I mean, not to toot my own horn. If anyone else can do that in four hours. <laughs> right. I knew you guys friend. meant business when I saw the lathe yeah. there. I was like, yeah. okay, well, these guys yeah, are we really definitely take it. Game. Just take it too far, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, tool dork status gets flexed pretty hard on that one. But yeah, no, I mean, that's so fun to condense something like that and to like get that like the teamwork and the creativity and no time to stop and get a drink and it's yeah, just like right it, you kind of like condense like the greatest parts of being a carpenter and just like little it's period intense. and all these other people around you being creative and it's like chop, doing cool stuff yeah yeah and doing cool right. stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> well There's, we'll hope that they get to do it again back. yeah uh labor day weekend is usually when it takes place mm. but well, for now, unfortunately, we are out of time, but um, we really want to thank you guys for coming in. And Yeah, this has yeah. been very enlightening. And yes, very cool. enlightening. Uh, thanks for having us. Uh, it's great getting to know you guys a little better. All right. So, yeah, thanks for having us. It's been fun. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I was, that was actually a really great interview. That was definitely eye-opening um i like soren's approach to his employees and yeah wasn't that just, cool yeah just uh i don't know if i was younger and starting out i'd want to work for him oh hell yeah. yeah i think i think he brings a good point because if you read a newspaper these days all they're talking about is labor shortages and employees and i think he brought up a good point it's not necessarily um, a shortage of employees. He said there's, there's a lot of interest. Yeah. I think it's, 
sometimes maybe the employer's expectations maybe need to change a little bit. You may not get that ultra skilled, you know, ready to go person, but you might find that diamond in the rough. Yeah. That you could really and if you're buff with, to to yeah. make it shine, if you know, you're willing to put in the effort, and Soren's clearly into that, so that's great. Um, and I do, I don't know. People say, I don't really know if this is true or not, but people say that like there's a lot of lack of trade schools or 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 pre training for stuff like this. Is did shop go away from high school? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it has or not. I know that was a thing when I was in high school. Yeah. But that was like 60 years ago. Yeah. And you, ra- I'm rounding up again. Yeah. 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 It was like in the 1940s, right? right? right. Um, World War II era. Yeah. Um, wow. You really look good for thanks, that thanks. age. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Had a lot of work done. Yeah. 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 Botox, right? Right. Right. <laughs> um, but no, I think, I don't know. I think I would love to see just an emphasis put on people working with their hands. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. I mean, we we both have younger kids, so we know that there is a big uh, sort of shift towards technology. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of this STEM, uh, you know, like the engineering and yeah. robotics, and which is all very important. Yeah. But at the end of the day, hey, guys, we have to have somewhere to live. Mm-hmm. We have to have uh, a roof over our heads and somebody has right. to help us with that. And, and robots um, aren't going to build houses. Oh, God. That scares me to death. <laughs> if we're going to put robots in the hands of everything, right. I'm just done. Okay? Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's too terrifying. Um, anyway, I digress. But, um, yeah. So, I think, I think that kind of starts with us as parents. Mm-hmm. Like... Yes, it's important to embrace these new technologies yeah. and these new ideas, but really introducing to our kids this idea of craftsmanship and yeah. uh, and the benefit of those skills. Just yeah. think like how all of you guys, yourself included, Amy, Soren, a lot of these people have brought up that the way they got into carpentry was by buying their first house and working on it. Uh, that's how I got into it. Heck you yeah. Know? And Clint, you know, yeah. he said he lived in the house his dad built and his dad lived in the house that his dad built. And so, I mean, this is really an opportunity to yeah. to teach people a valuable skill, yeah. you know, and um, to have people open-minded enough to understand that it's... Yeah, it's very... Uh, it's a very thing. Cool. Um, and uh, these two guys, Alex and Soren, I've I think I've talked to Alex on the phone before. I've worked a little bit with Soren before, but I never really knew them yeah. until now and just getting to know them. And um, these guys just have a really good balance of philosophy, I think. And Yeah, they're and very they're even keeled, very, um, yeah, altruistic in a way. Yeah, you know? definitely. I think there's a benefit, especially in times like this. I mean, Soren made it clear that he'd never really envisioned himself building right. a business at this level. And he's just really kind of appreciated the organic evolution of mm-hmm. just how everything has come into fruition. But I think they did touch upon how in times like COVID, when you have all those systems in place and you have that, yeah. That support, you have the staff, and you've invested in them. 
that that really kind of comes through. Yeah, definitely. Because, so. you know, it's a balance of being willing to be flexible and willing to adapt. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'd love to see more employers take on that attitude that you may not get that resume may not look perfect right in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I think we've talked about that here. Most of us did not even come from a building materials background that worked on the sales team. Right. We're talking restaurants or mm -hmm. hotels or customer service and uh, in some way, shape or form. So just, I mean, these are only my opinions, but you know, employers might need to be a little bit more creative when they're looking at potential hires and right. looking for a set of values and um, characteristics as opposed to necessarily just a pedigree of, right. of career experience. That's true. So, and you know, to be able to pay, to pay them what they're worth, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's helpful too. I think sometimes people say there's a shortage of, something when it's just that no maybe maybe it's not they're not going to survive in that job right um they need to find something where they can make make a little more livable wage so especially if you're gonna live in this city because yep. this city ain't cheap it's and cheap. it's certainly not getting any cheaper maybe think, by san francisco standards <laughs> it's cheap but uh, i know but yeah that's like anybody who comes from california they're like Portland's not expensive. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, I tried living here for two decades. Right. And then, yeah, it, it does. It kind was of. cheap when I first moved here. Yeah. You know, it, it's actually, I lived in Washington, D.C. in the early 2000s. And it's obviously a very expensive um, yeah. city. In fact, the prices in D.C. in the early 2000s are probably kind of like what our prices here are now. Yeah. But I remember mm. leaving D.C., coming back to Portland because I was like, I want to live somewhere cheaper. And then that's when it's when all the prices start mm -hmm. going up. Yeah. I was like, what the heck? You know, I just, I guess I got to move to like Texas or something. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. But you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the city of roses. So me too. I love it here. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, that was a great conversation. And um, like all the people that have come in, we're just so thankful that they've all been willing to, um, just give up their time and mm -hmm. come in and talk to us. We're not just like how Soren was saying is organic evolution. This whole process that Gary and I have taken on doing oh, yeah. this podcast has been, we don't really know what our end goal is. No, but and it's, <laughs> it's definitely organic. Yeah, it's definitely organic. And, um, you know, one day maybe we can uh, start building it into something bigger, but for now it's just been kind of fun to let it all unfold and, and uh, see where it goes. Yes. Riding the waves. Maybe we'll start a new, we'll be the next Johnny Carson's. Yeah, but only for <laughs> carpenters and contractors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure there's a huge market for that. Out oh, yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. Late, well, late night TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, coming soon, people. Yeah. Um, no. Uh let's work on that gary okay okay um but for now for what now. do you say for now i'll shut up now okay i'm gonna hold you to it and we'll talk to you guys next time <laughs>